This podcast is presented to you by a new series, The Clergy Confessions Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcast. Listen to ministers share truly awful experiences in anonymity. In this first season, you will hear stories of a minister fighting for maternity leave deep into her pregnancy, a pastor being fired for discovering an embezzlement scheme by the deacon board, an associate pastor finding his senior pastor and office administrator having an affair on church property, and so much more. Visit clergyconfessions.com. Follow Clergy Confessions on Instagram, Facebook, and whatever Twitter's called now. The Catholic Church uh, is no different than the Protestant Church. Um, that we have this conflicting history with indigenous populations. Um, While Europeans colonized uh, what they called the New World, they brought the Christian religion with them. There were both clergy at the front lines providing care for indigenous people, and there were those that used their role to justify subjugation and elimination of many people. Many Protestant traditions are, are wrestling with this past and how it shapes our present and our future. For your work, um, how does this past give shape to your present work and your future work? Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter, so each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Edna Hale, your podcast host. This year we're celebrating our eighth year on the podcast, bringing you better interviews with your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online and share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF Podcast community through our CBF Podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We also want to give a special shout out to some of our listener supporters, including the Honorable Charles Qualls, Caroline Bell, Cindy Foldenlore, Trip Hawthorne, Bill Johnson, Carson Fushi, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. Thanks for listening, Little Rock, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, PA, Ashburn, Virginia, West Yellowstone, Montana, Tamworth, Australia, and Hamilton, Canada. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. And before we move on, we need to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Zondervan Media Company, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, A Model Ministry, and Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. Finally, and I promise this is it, don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. The Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity aims to equip, nurture, encourage, and support men and women for their best service in the kingdom of God. Offering several programs, including master's and doctoral levels, you'll be equipped and encouraged to discover the unique place where your faith reaches out to meet the needs of the world. Now enrolling for fall of 2023, for more information about Gardner-Webb Divinity Program scholarships and grants, call 704-406-3205 and visit gardner-webb.edu. Well, this is the CBF Podcast Conversation, nestled in the heart of the gathering place at General Assembly in Atlanta, where our guest is Sister Nora Pimentel. She's the Executive Director of the Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley. Sister Norma, thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you for the invitation. Well, you know, I know we are 
we're ping-ponging you all over the place today, so it's an honor to have some time with you. Um, you know, for the last three decades, you've been at the front lines of supporting migrants who are seeking uh, refuge in the, in the U.S. along the Texas-Mexico border. Tell us about your sense of calling to this work. Yes, it has been uh, several years already that I have been very involved because I'm from there. I'm from actually from a native of South Texas right at the Rio Grande Valley. And so being present there at the border, seeing the families and the conditions that they are in and, and truly in a state of, of terrible suffering, it moves us to, to do something about that. The community in large, everybody, not just myself, every faith community, um, I took the lead, but everybody joined with me to, to get close and to respond to restore the dignity of the thousands of immigrants that were arriving to our cities there in South Texas. Myself, it is God within me that pulls me forward to, to do something about what I need to do. It's just seeing those faces, especially the children. It is um, something happens to us when we see that reality and we encounter a child with their face full of tears that makes us recognize the fact that God wants us to do something about this. Walk us back to the beginning of your calling. You know, while here at Annual Gathering, you have mainly vocational ministers. The calling uh, to contemplative vocation is a unique process, and you joined the Missionaries of Jesus in 1978. So tell us about your sense of calling in that time. Well, you know, my calling was an other, interesting because I had just graduated from college in a Bachelor's of Fine Arts. I was gung-ho ready to conquer the world in my own profession, which was art. And unfortunately, my dad had a, well, maybe fortunately, he had a, other plans for me. My dad wanted me to stay home, you know. He didn't want me to go off into the world and to get lost, you could say, you know. And so I was very, like, re-strategically figuring out how do I get out of the house and how do I get myself where I want to be. And in the meantime, I was having to wait for the day. I, th I figured it out. I said, well, just go back and, and re-go uh, into another university and study something, and my dad will be fine, you know. And so... I, in the process of waiting for that day to, to go to Austin and to go into another school of art, um, I decided to just go out one night because I hadn't been going out and my just not to stir the boat and my dad being upset at me. So I decided to go out with this friend of mine who was a nice church-goer young lady. And I said, Linda, what are you doing tonight? I need to get out of the house. And she says, we're going to a prayer group. And I said, oh, my, what are, you, what are you doing after the prayer group, you know? And she says, we're going to Pizza Hut. And so that did it. I said, perfect. I want to go with you to dinner to Pizza Hut. And she said, well, you're going to have to come to the prayer group first because that's where we're going first and then from there. So that's what changed my life. From there, at that prayer book, everything changed for me. I, as I think back for that day, I must have been like St. Paul 
when his scales fell off his eyes and he saw life totally different. Well, that happened to me in that prayer group. My life shifted 100%, 180 degrees. I started to see life totally different. I was introduced into a God of love, a God that was present to me, and that changed me. I was so hungry to know God, to understand him, to be making part of my life. And from then, well, this is where I'm at now. So just curious, did y'all ever make it to Pizza Hut that night? <laughs> the pizza was, must, must, we was definitely good. <laughs> We can't go any further without telling about one of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. How does your congregation handle ministry staff leadership for areas such as youth and children's ministry? More and more churches are cultivating these leaders from within their congregations. Going away to seminary is not an option for these persons, yet many desire some level of theological education to better prepare them for their ministry role. In response to this trend, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has launched the Homegrown Initiative. The Homegrown Initiative offers ministry leaders options for training and growth that fits into their busy schedules. If you or someone else at your church is serving as a homegrown minister and is looking to be better equipped as a minister, visit bsk.edu to learn more about new creative options for growth. bsk.edu. That's bsk.edu. With all the wonderful charity work you do, it's you know maybe we should be hitting up Pizza Hut to sponsor y'all's. <laughs> they should, right? They, we we yeah. definitely should. I I don't know if you ever, they ever heard my story, but every time I they, I've been asked, I always share about how Pizza Hut was the one that how God used pizza to get me to focus <laughs> on Him. So as I said in the opener, you're the executive director of the Catholic Charities uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, so so just so our listeners are clear, the Catholic Charities provides emergency services, sharing baskets, clinical counseling, disaster response, homeless uh, prevention programs, food programs, Catholic Charity Pregnancy Center, Military Family Relief Project, Housing Project, among many other things. Just in a day's work, huh? <laughs> That's a well, lot. You know, what, what works, what makes it happen is to get the right people, the great staff, so that I can go off and do Something else, you know. <laughs> Actually, I'm here because of that. I have an amazing staff that oversee every aspect of Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities is the charitable arm of the Catholic Church in the Rio Grande Valley, four counties. And we find ways to reach out and to make a difference in the lives of those that most need our presence. And I work very closely with other faith denominations, other organizations to respond to the needs that we see there at home, you know, in our communities. But really, they do the work. I basically just talk, you know, and meet with people. And and so I started it, but I move on to do other things, you know. So American citizens tend to pay attention to the border when the media sees it fit for us to consume some sort of controversy or politicians push, pushing some sort of agenda, but very few people know the experience of, of migrants. Can you share with us the most common migrant experience um, that you see at the border for those seeking um, refuge? You know, what I've seen at the border all these years as I've been had the privilege to minister to and to be close to immigrants and families and children I see people, people like you and me. There's somebody's mother, father, brother, sister. 
there, there are people who are terribly being abused and, and they're hurting tremendously. They've been through so much in their own home country. They, they've traveled through very difficult journeys along the way to get to the south part of the United States. And when you see them and you come close to them, they're so grateful that you notice them, that you are present to them, that you become one with them, and that you can cry with them, and you can laugh with them, and that you can offer them simple things like water or something to eat or an opportunity to get help from a doctor because they're struggling with them. So these are people that have great gift of family values. They care so much for their children. And also, most importantly, they're people of great faith. So I think that we here in the United States are missing out on recognizing the value that they bring to us, to this country, that is in such need of important values that we must honor and respect and live with in, the, in our communities. And so um, I think that if we open our hearts and welcome them, we will find that we are blessed even greater with their presence in our lives. Since 2016, CBF has brought you episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. So in, in my research, um, I found you worked uh, with refugees in 1980 at the Casa Oscar Romero. Um, of course, for those that maybe not are aware of Oscar Romero, he's, not, he's most notably known for his work as priest and bishop in El Salvador, his social work and advocacy through the church against the corruption um, of, of the country is just unprecedented. I mean, he's sadly assassinated by military factions who were attempting to, to silence him. Um, in what ways uh, has the work of Oscar Romero influenced the way that you approach your work? Well, you know, Oscar Romero, and uh, I was able to be able to see the, the movie of his life that, he, that was made and actually saw that movie in El Salvador at the university where, he, uh, of the, where the priests were assassinated as well. And, and what I see of him is of some, a man of God who, who got close to the people and witnessed their human reality and the need for, it, for the abuse of them to stop. And so I, I believe that he shows us, all of us, anyone who listens to his story, 
to listen to his words that he gives to all of us is, is the message of we are one people, one humanity that we must learn how to respect and uphold the dignity and life of every human person. And that example of him, that he was willing to speak up and not, obviously he got himself killed for that, right? But he was not focused on anything other than being present to them. And I think that I believe so strongly that the, the most important thing that we can do as people today with refugees or for anybody at the preference, like the, anyone that is in the outskirts of our lives, we must be present to them, like the immigrants, like the homeless, like those who are in their margins that are, don't fit in. He reached out to them, and he was willing to give them a place in his life so that they would be noticed. Mm. I think that that example of his life is something that encourages all, encourages me, myself, to do precisely what he's doing as well today. Speaking truth to power, which seems like an undercutted way to talk about the work that, that he has done, um, is something for, that personifies his work, though. Um, you know, certainly today, with, with all that's happening at the border and what it represents, uh, what truth are we currently speaking to power about corruption and overdue change? What, what, what should be that truth we need to be speaking right now as, as Christians in this country? You know, I think that today from the stories of, and the lives that I encounter daily in great numbers, what we must recognize today is the abuse of so many structures of power that totally disregard humanity and how it affects the life of so many people. It's almost as if it doesn't matter anymore the role that they have as leaders of our world to make a difference in correcting and, and making right so that every community in the world could live with the, the, the right space of safety and respect to all human life, it's, an, it's unfortunate that, that we don't see that in, amongst our leaders of today, we, that power seems to take over and becomes more important than their calling to be leaders of making our communities safe and good for everyone. You know, it's almost as if that is not part of their agenda anymore, you know? We are pausing to tell you about one of our collaborative annual sponsors, a model ministry. Are you a church leader who's committed to keeping children safe? If so, then a model ministry is for you. We are a registered nonprofit organization specializing in safety education, policy writing, and risk assessment to mitigate child abuse in ministry organizations. We understand that child safety is a top priority for churches, and we are here to create a safe and nurturing environment for all children. Our founders can provide the resources and support needed to implement effective child safety policies and procedures. Visit amodelministry.com to learn more about our services and how we can help keep children safe. Let's take a break to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work. What is social work? 
At Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, it's empowerment, service, and justice. It's ministry, counseling, and relationship building. It's faith, practice, and community. But above all, it's learning how to help others thrive. Social workers can be found addressing the full scope of the human experience in churches, schools, prisons, government agencies, senior living centers, nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies. Careers in social work profession are vast and varied. What is social work, you ask? It's much more than you think. Visit gsswstories.baylor.edu to explore more. The Catholic Church uh, is no different than the Protestant Church, um, that we have this conflicting history with indigenous populations. Um, While Europeans colonized uh, what they called the New World, they brought the Christian religion with them. There were both clergy at the front lines providing care for indigenous people, and there were those that used their role to justify subjugation and elimination of many people. Many Protestant traditions are, are wrestling with this past and how it shapes our present and our future. For your work, um, how does this past give shape to your present work and your future work? Well, I look more at the present more so than I look at the past because there's lots to do in the present. And, and I think that, that our past can teach us a lot of things of what, where we went wrong and where we went right. And it, we can build on that to help us move forward in the right direction. If we really learn from our past and our history, we will be able to do a better job today as we move forward. You know, I am an artist, as I mentioned. You know, and in in drawing something, I will, if I want to draw a perfect circle, I won't. I won't erase my first line if it's incorrect, because it will guide me to make the right line based on my mistake. And so, I think in life we must do something similar where we must allow our mistakes of the past to guide us to know where the right line should be in our lives. And so how we can use our, our history to learn from what the things that happen that will help us be a better people today and in the future. In uh, 2022, you were named one of the most 100 most influential people of the year. What was, what was that experience like as a person whose vocation is defined by piety and humility and service to be recognized for such accomplishment? You know, I was most definitely honored, but all the recognitions I have been receiving, I have come to terms with that, with the understanding that it, it becomes a platform for me to shine a light on the people for which I'm here for, which is the people that I, they gave me this recognition, was so that the world can see what I see, the suffering and the need to restore the dignity of thousands of people, that we must all unite in making sure that if there are people in our world, in our communities, anywhere that are in those conditions, we must do something about. And I appreciate any recognition and any attention that is given to me. It's really as a, as a platform to point toward them. Lastly, we've got just a 
couple moments for uh, we take you off to the next thing and <laughs> your and your graciousness in helping me so much. If, if people want to get connected or learn more about uh, the Catholic Charities, what's the best way for them to learn about your work? Well, there is a website that we have in Catholic Charities. Don't ask me what it is because I don't know it by memory. <laughs> <laughs> but I can definitely give it to you. It's catholiccharitiesrgb.org, and I'm sure there is one directed to Catholic. And there's a, also a Amazon list of items that we are most in need of that my staff always updates to make sure we have more of whatever with these baby bottles or milk or tents or whatever it is that we find most in need of in, in, uh, in the area. Those are some ways, but definitely call in our office if you want to call the office or call my cell. I mean, everybody has my cell. Every single Border Patrol agent in, the, in our region, actually, right when I got started, back in 2014, I asked, I want to speak to the Border Patrol and sit at the table and try to figure this out and, and say, what do you need, sister? Well, I would like to know when you're bringing people to us so we can prepare. Our volunteers, we know we're ready. So they gave my, my cell number to every single Border Patrol <laughs> agent. And to this day, it doesn't matter what time it is, I'll get a phone call. And it's from an agent that will say, sister, I have this group of people, and I need to know if it's okay, I can take them to you. <laughs> so you can call me. My cell number is 956-455-1484. Don't promise I'll answer, but if you text me, I might just respond back. Well, I can guarantee our millions of listeners will be calling that cell phone uh, coming up. As Catholic Charities rgv.org. Um, Sister Norma, thank you for making the time to have this conversation. Incredible honor to sit down and, and, and to discuss your work. And uh, thank you for all that you do for the kingdom. Thank you for this invitation. We are grateful for a chance to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Zondervan Media Group. Explore the depth and beauty of scripture with the NRSV updated edition. With provisions based on new contextual evidence, historical insights, and linguistic precision, this updated edition of the NRSV delivers a translation of scripture based on meticulous care for accuracy and readability. Learn more about new editions of the NRSV UE from Zondervan at nrsvuebible.com. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity, a model ministry, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, and Zondervan Media Company. Check out more at cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and more. And I'm not sure if we mentioned that you should join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.